Father in heaven, we thank you for this time for study again. And Lord, we just ask that you would please be with us. Bless us with your presence. Teach us with your word. And help us, Lord, with your spirit's help to understand that we might know how to apply these words to our lives today. Thank you, Lord, for you pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to everybody again. And friends, this is our last study for our series, Wilderness Wanderings from Exodus to Canaan. And the Israelites are now about to enter into Canaan, the land that God has promised them since the time of Abraham. And the wanderings in the wilderness are about to come to an end. Moses has passed away. The Israelites have mourned for him for 30 days. And the mantle of leadership has been passed from Moses now onto Joshua. And Moses has laid his hands on Joshua, given him a charge to continue leading the children of Israel as a sign of trust in him as the next leader, to, to give the Israelites the confidence that they can follow Joshua just as they have followed him. And so now God comes to Joshua to strengthen him. Let's read there in Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 to 5. The Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this, and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So God promises to give to the children of Israel all this land. And he promises that he would be with him just as he was with Moses. What a reassuring thought. What comforting words it would have been to hear, especially when you're having to fill such big shoes as Joshua had to do with Moses. And so Moses has passed on this leadership, but now God confirms his presence with him. He himself talks to Joshua and tells him that he would be with him. However, God's presence with Joshua and his success as a leader was dependent upon one condition. Let's read in verse 7 of Joshua chapter 1. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So Joshua, he was warned to be strong, to be courageous. But this was not in relation to fighting the battles of the Lord. Look, yes, they needed to be strong and to have courage to fight. But this was in reference to what? He needed to be strong and courageous to be obedient to do all of God's laws. Everything that God had commanded them, the children of Israel, and including him, from Moses. This was the condition 
of God to prosper him as a leader for the children of Israel. You know, friends, it takes strength and courage, really, to follow God and to do all that he asks of us. Why? Because many people are not doing it. And maybe even those within our church, those that consider themselves Christian, those that are of your family who go to the same church as you, those that are your close friends, they even might be against you. I mean, I want you to think of all the times that the Israelites wanted to stone Moses or, or, or just wanted to kill him just because he was faithful and they didn't agree with him. Aaron, he was afraid of the people, and so he made the golden calf. They were ready to stone Moses when there was no water. They were ready to stone Joshua 40 years earlier simply because he was one of the two spies that had faith in God to say, yes, we can take this land. Yes, God can give us the victory in opposition to the ten who gave the evil report and a report of doubt and no faith. You see, friends, Strength and courage is needed to fight against God's enemies, yes, but not just that, but also to stand up for what is right, to lead the people on. And sometimes even when it makes no sense that, you know, why are they going down this path? Why did God lead us to a dead end, to the Red Sea, to hurt us, to kill us because there were no graves in Egypt? Why did God lead us to bitter water? Why are you following this cloud? Why are you doing this? And so when people seem to doubt, it takes faith, it takes strength, it takes courage to press on to follow God. And so sometimes it's so easy to go with the popular uh, opinion, to go with a popular decision. But friends, it takes strength and courage to go against the grain. It takes strength and courage to do that which God asks us to do in spite of what everyone else thinks you should do or want to do. But how could Joshua be strong and courageous? Let's keep reading. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 now, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayst observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God advised him to meditate on the law of God day and night. This would give him the strength to do that which is right. This would give him the courage to follow God and that God would finally prosper and give him good success. And friends, this is no different for us today as well. God, he still gives us the same advice. Look at what it says in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. You see, here in Psalms chapter 1, God talks about a blessed man. And in verse 2 there, it says that he meditates on the Lord day 
and night. And in verse 3, it tells us that whatsoever he does shall prosper, not because that he's just a blessed man and that's it, but because he has been meditating on the law of God, because he has been focusing on God's word, because he's been focused on his relationship with Christ, he's been walking with him and meditating on that law. And as a result, his heart is God's heart. His thoughts are God's thoughts. And whatever he wishes to do, it's because God has been inspiring him to do. And God can bless that. And so whatever he does, prospers. And if we would just take time, just take time, friends, to experiment with God in our journey with him, we would see that there'll be no reason for any to go to anyone else for help because we could see very clearly the blessings of God in our lives. The Israelites saw that. They saw that when they were faithful, God was with them. They saw that when he was faithful, they were faithful, he would protect them. He would give them victories. He would feed them. He would clothe them. He would provide for them. He would be his constant, their constant watch care over them. The Israelites understood them and it was no, there was no good reason for them not to enter into a covenant relationship with God. They had everything to gain. And they had also everything to lose if they were not to. You see, friends? And so if we would just experiment, if we would just give God a chance, we would see that he was the fairest of 10,000. He is that rose of Sharon, the, the, the lilies that God, he, he would be that gold and that precious jewel to us. He would be the apple of our eye if we would take time to experiment with him. And so in Psalms 34, verse 8, the Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. If only we would just taste and see. If only we would give God a chance, we would see that he is good. We would see that he desires to bless us. We would see that he desires the best for us. And so the, so the decision for Christ would become so easy we would even get to the point that we begin to wonder, why did we not do it earlier? And so friends, what is that first command from God to Joshua? Let's keep reading. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. It says what? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. They were instructed to do what? To arise and cross over the river Jordan. This was the first obstacle between them and the land that God was ready to give them for them to inherit. However, there, what was on the other side of the river? Who was waiting for them on the other side of the river? We read in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shinnom two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. You see, friends, the city of Jericho was a well-fortified city. It was large. It was prosperous. It was right on the river's edge there. And you know, friends, we won't be studying about this because we already have a study on it. You can go back and go to, to the study that has been written previously, that we've recorded previously. It is about the faith of Rahab in that, in that series on Hebrews chapter 11. But coming back to the river Jordan. 
don't think that this river is just some small stream or river of just 10 meters wide where we can just wade across it or step on a few stones and we're across the river. You know, historians say that the, the normal width of the river was about 40 to 50 meters wide and up to 5 meters deep. So this was no small river by any stretch of the imagination. It was a big river. And moreover, we read about the river Jordan in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 15. Look at what it says here. And as they that bear the ark were come into Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. So this river was overflowing this time of the year. Then it was not just flowing normally, but it was flowing fast and it was full, and no swimmer would have been able to make it across. Todd Bolan, author of biblicalpress.com, he wrote that in 1854, an expert swimmer, he tried to go across the River Jordan, but he was unable to because the section that where the river flowed near Jericho, the current was too strong and the river was too wide. And so this first obstacle that Joshua encounters as the new leader of the children of Israel is the river Jordan. And the Israelites, they have to cross this river if they wish to conquer um, Jericho and enter into Canaan. This was the first step. And so when the Israelites saw that Joshua was anointed by Moses as the new leader, and now that Moses had passed away, what did they say to Joshua as he began to bid them to move forward? Let's keep reading in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. And they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. So they were willing to follow Joshua wherever he led them. But they wanted to make sure that God was with him as God was with Moses. And so although they, you know, they had rebelled against Moses so much and given him so much grief and heartache and trouble, they knew that God was with him. You know, they had confidence in Moses as a leader. And so they were careful to ask the same of Joshua as well. They wanted to make sure that God was with Joshua as much, and if not more, with Joshua as they were with Moses. So here they are at the River Jordan. And what is Joshua going to do next? Let's keep reading Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. 
And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. So what's the first thing that Joshua does? He instructs the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant and go ahead before the people first. Why? What was the reason for the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant in front of the children of Israel? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 7, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses as so I will be with thee. So God, he would use the crossing of the River Jordan to magnify the, the, the fact that his presence would be with Joshua just as it was with Moses, that Joshua would be magnified in the sight of all the children of Israel. A miracle is about to be performed, and through this miracle, God would, would, would seal and settle the confidence of the people in, in Joshua as their leader. And so, what did Joshua instruct them to do? Let's keep reading. Verse 10 to 13 of Joshua chapter 3. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you all the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. So what does Joshua do? He instructs the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant and go stand in the River Jordan. But he says that as soon as the soles of the priest's feet touch the water, what's going to happen? The water is going to stand up on one side, and obviously it's a river. The, the other side is going to continue flowing. So the, the water on this side, where the river is coming from, it would stand up like a wall. And you know what, friends? This sounds exactly like what the Israelites went through at the very beginning with Moses when they were coming out of Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea. The wall, I mean the water, of course, on, at that time would stand up on both sides because it was a sea. It was not a river flowing from one direction to the other. But God is going to do almost exactly the same miracle that he did at the very beginning that marked in a sense, the, the beginning of their wanderings and really the exodus going from there to, to Canaan. And this is what he's going to do for Joshua. It would be a reminder, wow, that's how it started off with Moses. This is how it would start off with Joshua as well. Joshua is about to be magnified in the sight of all the children of Israel. Let's keep reading. Joshua chapter 3, 14 to 17. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, 
and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the river, or pardon, the water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. You know, friends, it took a measure of faith to believe the words of God through Joshua. You see, God did not speak directly to the children of Israel. He spoke to Joshua, and Joshua was the one that gave the command. It was through Joshua that all this instruction was given. And so it took a certain measure of belief in Joshua's words that he was receiving it from God for them to put forth into action. However, God had given enough authority to Joshua for them to believe the first step for the priests to simply dip their feet into the water. Why? Moses had given his stamp of approval already. Remember, he had, in the presence of all the children of Israel, given that authority from him over to Joshua. But now, it was up to the Israelites, it was up to the priests to believe his word, to test his word. And what did they do? As soon as they dipped their feet into the water, God opened the way. Had they stood there at the river's edge, had they just stood there and and waited for the water to part? I mean, they were close to the river, they weren't in the river, but they might have reasoned within themselves saying, hey, we're close enough. But yet, had they just stood there, the water would have never opened up. You see, friends, God does not expect us to have a measure of of faith in Him that would just make us just jump into the water straight away. No, but He does expect us to have some measure of faith, to believe the Word, to test it. He wants us to test Him. Just get your feet wet in the water. I don't want you to jump straight in and believe everything, but establish your faith and have some sort of courage to test. And that is exactly what the priests did. And as soon as they put their feet in, the water stood up on a wall on one side and the other water flowed and kept flowing until the rest of the children of Israel could walk over on dry ground. God would part the river Jordan for them just as He parted the Red Sea for them 40 years earlier under the leadership of Moses. And there were two clear reasons why God did this this for Joshua. And what's the first reason? It's obvious when we read in Joshua chapter 4, verse 14. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And we read this earlier, but we read it again. God would magnify Joshua in the sight of all Israel. It was one thing for Moses to give his recommendation, right? To say, okay, here's my authority. Here, I give it to you. It was quite another thing for God to put his stamp of approval on the leadership of Joshua himself. 
Now all Israel could have 100% confidence in Joshua as their leader, just like they did in Moses. They could put their faith and trust in him. Why? They were going to encounter greater armies, bigger troubles, bigger trials, and enemies that they would have to go against, and they would need to have their implicit faith and trust in Joshua, their leader. So God opened the River Jordan to remind them of what had happened 40 years earlier at the Red Sea and how God himself fought against the Egyptians and vanquished them, had a victory over them. God was about to do the same for the Israelites in the land of Canaan and against the city of Jericho. It was an assurance of his presence. And so this is the second reason. Why was this important? So first there was Joshua being exalted and confirmed as their leader, but also it was an assurance of their presence. Let's read in Joshua chapter 5, verse 12. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. You see, the manna was about to cease. And so once they entered into Canaan, that manna that had fallen for 30 plus, almost 40 years, that miracle of manna falling every single day and them just going out and collecting it and eating it, that was about to stop. Even the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire would stop as well because they only needed that for their wilderness sojourning. But now they're coming into the land of Canaan. And so this parting of the river Jordan was also an assurance that God would be with them. And even though these visible presences of the manna and the pillar of fire and all of that would stop, God was still there with them. We read also in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, what happened? Their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. So yes, God confirmed his presence with the children of Israel, with Joshua. But on top of that, God also put the fear of him in the kings that were surrounded them, the kings that they would have to face, the kings of the Canaanites and the Amorites and all these other places that they were about to conquer. The Bible says that their hearts would melt for fear and that there would be no more spirit left in them their courage and their determination would wane because they knew that they were up against something more than just human. This would make the conquest for the Israelites that much more easier. And it would also be important because as they would go forward to attack, the Israelites would also leave behind families, wives, children, mothers, fathers, livestock, all would be unprotected but the surrounding nations would be afraid to attack because God would be there with them. And so there were reasons more than just confirming Joshua as leader, but to show the Israelites, hey, I'm going to be with you. And on top of that, to put the fear of God on the surrounding nations, the fear of the Israelites on the surrounding nations. However, there was one last thing that they had to do before they would go in to take possession of the land of Canaan before God would begin to work through them and mightily for them. 
Let's read in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 2. At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. What would happen? The children of Israel would be circumcised. God was renewing His covenant with the children of Israel again. This was a sign of His covenant with them. Yes, they had broken it earlier, but now He's renewing it again. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. Why? For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed. Why? Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. You see, friends, since the Israelites had come out, since they did not want to go into the land of Canaan, the first time when the 12 spies came back, 10 with an evil report, 2 with a good report, since that time, no one had been circumcised. Circumcision had been suspended as a sign that God's covenant had been broken. And so that, that act of circumcision, it had been put on hold. But now, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, we read, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. That word Gilgal itself means rolling. The reproach, the shame from the 40 years of wandering and earlier of their doubt of God, that had been all rolled away. It had been washed away. It had been cut away. However, what symbol was being used by the Israelites now? They were about to enter into the land of Canaan. They were now about to have a fresh start with God and with Joshua as their leader. God was about to work mightily and wonderfully for them again. And you know, friends, even though we have sinned in the past, God still longs to be our God. God still longs to renew His covenant with us. God, He still wants to make us His people. He longs to give each and every one of us a new heart. He wants to cut away the sin from our heart, just symbolically like what the, the, the children of Israel had that circumcision performed upon them. He wants to cut away the, all the, the impurities. He wants to cut away all the sin. He wants to cut away all our rebellion. He wants to cut away our sinful past and He desires to pour out blessings upon each and every one of us. He desires to guide us. He desires to be our God and fight for us. But you see, friends, to follow God, it's a two-way street. He has shown His interest in each and every one of us already. And I know that if we take a step back and we consider the blessings, it would be a no-brainer to follow God. It would be a no-brainer. It would not be a hard decision to enter into a covenant relationship with God. And so, friends, I ask you, why not stop and consider His goodness? Why not stop to taste 
of His goodness to each and every one of us. He longs to make us, each and every one of us, the head and not the tail. He wishes to pour out His blessings on each and every one of us and to work mighty wonders in and through our lives. He wishes to prosper each and every one of us. But it comes with conditions, friends, yes. It comes with conditions, conditions that are within our power and decisions for us to make. If we would be strong and courageous and not turn to the left or to the right, but observe all the commandments of God, observe all that He's given to us, He will pour out blessings of heaven. He will give us His name and His character and He will be glorified in each and every one of us. But we have to make the decision to want to follow Him. We have to decide to follow Him today. And so friends, I want to appeal to you as we've come to the last study of our series. Let's recommit our lives again to Him today. Let's make that decision again to walk closer to Christ. And if you've not experienced that walk and that journey with Christ before, you've not tasted of the sweetness of being in this relationship with Jesus, then I want to appeal to you that you would give God a chance, that you would taste of His goodness, that you would give Him some time in His Word. And you will see that God desires more than anything else to bless us and to make us the spectacle of His blessings, the receptacles of His blessings, to be able to show to the world what it means and what, what happens when a person gives their lives unreservedly to God to allow Him to work in and through each and every one of us, to give us His blessings so that we can be an even greater blessing to the rest of the world. Why not give God that chance again today? Why not give Him that opportunity to work in your life? Taste and see that the Lord is good. What are you hesitating for, friends? What do you have to lose? All we have to lose is a bit of time. We have everything to gain now in this world and even in the future world to come. May God give us the courage to step forward with faith and just to test Him today. Let's pray. Father, please, be with all of us. We've all wandered far away from our heavenly home. We've all gotten caught up with sin. But today we see, Lord, that you desire to roll away the reproach that has been hanging over our heads. You long to take away our guilt and our shame. And you want to make us sons and daughters in Christ once more. Lord, please bless us, be with us, strengthen us, help us, that we might be courageous enough, brave enough, to taste and see that you are truly good. And so, Father, we just surrender all these things into your hands. I ask that you would please lead us, guide us, and fill us with all the fullness and the goodness of heaven. Thank you, O Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.